0: Matthew 27, let's read verses 15 through 26. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. "'Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, "'his wife sent word to him, "'Have nothing to do with that righteous man, "'for I have suffered much today because of him in a dream.'" Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, "'Which of the two do you want me to release for you?' And they said, "'Barabbas.'" Pilate said to them, "'Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ?' They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood, see to it yourselves. And all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. We, of course, are picking this up in the middle of the story. The previous night, Jesus and his disciples had celebrated the Passover meal together, that we now refer to as the Last Supper, where he instituted the communion meal in which we will share tonight. He told them that one of them was going to betray him. And Judas Iscariot went out to do exactly that. They went out into the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives and began to pray. All the disciples fell asleep as Jesus cried out to the Lord and made that famous and all-too-important proclamation, Not my will, but yours be done. Judas arrived with a crowd of soldiers. They arrested Jesus, and the disciples all fled. They brought him to, first to Annas and Caiaphas' house, the high priest's, in what was an illegal trial that was not to be done in the middle of the night and not to be done in somebody's house. But they examined him, they abused him, they mocked him, they beat him. He was taken to Pontius Pilate, who was the Roman governor, who at first wanted nothing to do with a religious matter, as you can imagine. He was sent to Herod. He thought maybe Herod, who is the king of Galilee, where Jesus is from, would be able, willing to assert jurisdiction over him. Pilate or uh, Herod rather refused to make a decision, but he had Jesus beaten as well. He was sent back to Pilate, and we pick up the story. Jesus has already been betrayed, arrested, denied, tried, beaten, and mocked. And Pontius Pilate knows that this whole thing is a farce. He knows this isn't a legitimate trial. He can hear the witnesses contradicting each other. And he knew the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the the elders. He knew what they were like. And so he makes this decision. Here's how I will get out of this every passover as a favor to the jews pontius pilate would release one prisoner and this year he makes it a decision between jesus and barabbas why did he do this because he knew what a terrible person barabbas was and he thought there is no way that they're going to pick barabbas over a rabbi they don't like we see from mark 15 verse 7 it gives us a little more detail Matthew just calls him notorious, but Mark 15, 7 says, among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. You know, the Jews were constantly having rebellions and revolts against the Roman government. And apparently in one of those insurrections, this had been the guy who took it too far. We had a lot of protests and things a few years ago. We've had them throughout our our nation's history. And uh, you all know, One person or one group taking it too far can ruin whatever credibility a certain movement might have. Don't you know that to be true? Especially if someone commits murder. This is Barabbas. So he says, well, I'll offer them Barabbas or Jesus. That way I can say, well, Jesus was guilty, but I released him because they'd never pick this guy. But they called for Barabbas. In fact, the rulers of the people stirred up the crowd to call for Barabbas. No doubt they were shouting all kinds of patriotic, nationalistic things. Jesus told us to pay taxes to Caesar. Barabbas was willing to actually take up arms and fight for his people. And they called for Barabbas. And Pilate can't believe it. Well, then what am I supposed to do with the guy you call your Messiah? Let him be crucified. Well, Pilate disapproved because crucifixion was not something you did for petty criminals. Certainly not for somebody whose religious opinions you disagreed with. Crucifixion was reserved for men like Barabbas. But they cried out all the more and Pilate knew he's got a riot on his hands here. So he does something symbolic. He washes his hands. His whole point is to say, I disapprove of what is about to happen. Whatever happens next is on you, which was a cowardly thing to do. He should have stood up and said, no, I refuse to be part of this. You do you what you want. I'm willing to stand before God and before Caesar and say, they rioted because I refuse to condemn an innocent man to death. But he went along with it and Jesus was flogged and, of course, was crucified. Why would the elders push for something like this? As always, every year we're struck with the unfairness of the crucifixion. It wasn't fair. At the very least, he did not deserve that. You all know plenty of people with whom you disagree, maybe even violently disagree. But if you were to see them nailed to a cross in the public square, you might find yourself with some very strange allies. Why would they do this? Well, it says Pilate knew that it was because of envy. They were jealous of Jesus' popularity. He rides into Jerusalem and they shout, Hosanna. He clears out the temple and the people come and, and sing that the Messiah has come. They were jealous. They resented his preaching because he had some pretty hard words for them, almost as if to ensure their hatred. Jesus, during the week leading up to crucifixion, had preached specifically against the Pharisees and Sadducees and elders and scribes. Whitewashed tombs, he called them. And third, they feared Roman retribution. This was the official reason that they gave in the notes of their meeting. John eleven forty eight. 48. They say, if Jesus doesn't put a stop to what he's doing, or if we don't stop him, then Rome is going to come and take us away. Pontius Pilate was sent because he was a hard man and had a reputation for cracking down on insurrection. So they said, if We don't get a handle on this guy. The high priest Caiaphas said it would be better for one man to die than for all of us to die, which of course was a prophetic statement, even if he didn't realize it. But what is so remarkable about this to me is that these men knew who Jesus was. At the very least, they knew that he had done miracles, they knew that he had raised Lazarus from the dead and opened the eyes of the blind. They knew that he was fulfilling prophecy. He knew that people certainly believed so. They knew that he was a righteous man. They knew that he didn't keep the law according to their standards, but he certainly held up to a higher righteousness. You don't think they were hunting down for any kind of dirt, any kind of sexual misdeed, any kind of statement taken out of context for his three-year ministry. They knew who he was. They knew who he claimed to be. He told them in the meeting that I am the Messiah and you will see me riding on the clouds of heaven. They knew. And yet they chose Barabbas. In the same way, there are people in our community, in our churches, around the world, who are persuaded of the truth of the gospel. They know who Jesus is. They even believe who Jesus is. And yet, they choose, as an act of their will, to have another. They know that it's true. They were raised in it. They were convinced of it. And yet, they choose another And we must say this plainly and clearly. If you do not choose Jesus, then you are destined for hell. Your destiny is death. The death that Jesus was about to undergo for all of eternity. For sin is an eternal transgression. And tonight is your opportunity, if you have not done so, to choose Jesus. It's not too late or you wouldn't be hearing me tonight. And we're going to give very quickly here four people, so to speak, that we'll choose instead of Jesus. Four different Barabbases that we'll pick instead of Jesus. And the first one is them. We choose them. We choose they instead of Jesus. As in, that's what they say. Or what will they say? This is the world with its priorities. This is usually not a single person, or it may be, It could be a single group of person, but very often there are not actual faces attached to this. These are just people. It is a general fear of the disapproval of men and of missing out on what life has to offer. You may be convinced of the rightness of the gospel. And that I mean you believe that Jesus was the son of God. You believe that he taught the right way. You might even believe that he died and rose again, but you refuse to come and bow the knee and call him Lord because you are afraid to face the mockery of your friends or the disapproval of your family. You are afraid to face the shame or the casting out that will come from your social group or your coworkers. You know that if you abandon their standards, then you will no longer be on your way up that ladder. This can affect people who are part of a certain subculture, some, some group, some club or things like that, even communities, where you know that me choosing Jesus will not allow me to excel and to move forward here if I choose Jesus. Or it could just be that we cling to these things because we're afraid that we might miss out. We're afraid that they still have something to offer us. There's still fun that we might miss out on. There's possessions that we might not gain if I'm required to conduct business according to Jesus' teachings. There's experiences I might miss out on. There's certain communities that I might not be able to be a part of any longer if I choose Jesus. So we choose them. That becomes our Barabbas. John 19. I'm not going to read this passage, but John 19. The two men who took Jesus down from the cross prepared his body, washed him, And wrapped him up and laid him in the tomb were Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. These two men were part of the ruling council. They had not been part of the decision to crucify Jesus. But they were secret disciples of Christ. They were secret disciples. They had never stood out and publicly identified with him, knelt at his feet, and said as Peter did, I will follow you wherever you go. And they watched Jesus, be crucified. And the next time they actually saw Jesus, the only time they were publicly identified with him was when they took him down from the cross and began to wash the blood from his hands and his feet. The fear of man brings a snare, the Bible says. We envy people for what we would lose for Christ's sake. This is especially true of those who are young Or those who did right when they were young and now they are old and they feel that they missed out when they were growing up. If you fear to lose position or money or reputation and so you therefore refuse to come to Christ, you have chosen Barabbas. The second person, so to speak, we choose instead of Jesus is him or her. Because of the implications of the gospel, there's an individual, him or her. This is a refusal to accept the consequences of the gospel because of somebody else. They can be alive, they can be dead. You will have been under conviction and know in your heart of hearts that everything Jesus said is true. But you know that if I believe that, that means that I have to accept, to use one example, that my grandfather, who was a hard, blasphemous man, had nothing to do with God and nothing to do with religion, yet he was my hero. I would have to accept that he's in hell. And so you cannot make the decision. You refuse to accept the consequences. It means that a child of yours that's wayward stands condemned before God even now, and you just can't accept that. You would rather not believe it, even though you know it's true. You choose not to believe it because you just can't handle what it means. Perhaps it's a relationship that must change if you were to accept Christ. How many couples have come to church out of obligation and they're living in fornication, they're living in sin with one another and one of them falls under heavy conviction, knows what they're doing is wrong and desires to make a change and yet the other is not moved and rather than choosing Jesus, they choose the one sitting next to them and refuse to come and repent it could be a partner of yours. It could be a friend or a client. Your main source of income is not done according to Jesus' standards. And you know that if you change that, everything will fall apart. It could be a hero of yours. I mean, I'm talking even philosophical or literary heroes or political figures that you admire, that you would no longer be able to define yourself by because of Christ. You would rather have him or her than Jesus Oh, it sounds so noble, doesn't it? So romantic. I would rather spend a few years with you than eternity in in heaven apart from you. What a foolish thing to say. What an utterly foolish, childish thing to say. Luke 14, 26 says, If anybody wants to be my disciple, he must hate his father, his mother, his children, his wife, her husband. And if you don't, you're not worthy to be called my disciple. His point was, if you will let somebody else come in the way of my salvation or my call upon your life, don't walk around like you're one of my disciples because you're not. The cost of salvation includes your loved ones. Do not envy them. Do not envy Jesus for taking first place. If you choose to avoid the pain that would come or the responsibility that you must take for another, another, then you have chosen Barabbas. The third person we choose instead of Jesus is me. Yourself. Your habits, your identity as you define it. This is a refusal to change. To change what you do, to change how you think, to change about how you perceive yourself for Jesus. People will say this, I'd love to be a Christian, but if you tell me I got to stop doing that, then I don't think I want to be a Christian well, then you're not ready to become a Christian. There are many who are convinced of the gospel, and I want to keep coming back to this. There are those that grew up in church, never go to church, but you say something negative about preachers or the Bible or about Jesus, and they'll get angry, and they'll defend religion, even though they themselves have not been to church in decades. They'll defend the Bible. They'll say, no, the Bible's true. I know the Bible's true. You ever be at work and somebody comes at you, fighting with you about, Religion, oh, all oh, religion's fake. The Bible is not true. Then somebody you would never expect stands up and, and takes up for the Bible for you. That's because they know. They know that it's true. But they refuse to submit and bow the knee. Their habits hold them hostage. They refuse to change their philosophy. There's something they picked up along the way that is contrary to the gospel. And they hold that to be more true than the word of God. They refuse to change their sexuality. This is how I am. And if God doesn't like it, then he can't have me. It doesn't matter what it is. If you can't change it even for God, then you're not ready. Or our pastimes. Hobbies will keep people out of heaven. Do you know that? Well, Sunday mornings, that's, it's for this. Sunday mornings is golf. Sunday mornings is the only day they have these things. Are those things inherently sinful? No, but if they keep you from coming to Christ, is that really the hill you want to die on? Or dreams that we have? Ideas that we've held on to for a long time and you know that Jesus will not allow that. So we say, then I can't believe. And it sometimes can be just the way we identify ourselves. I'm the party guy. I'm the angry one. I'm the gay one. I'm the smart one. And that's who we are. And you come to Jesus and he says, everything must go. And we just can't let go because we wouldn't know how to think of ourselves anymore. Jesus said in Mark 8, Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, but he who desires to save his life, don't think of running from a bear in the woods here. Whoever desires to preserve the life he already has at the expense of the gospel message will lose it. If you cannot allow God to change you entirely from the inside out, then you have chosen Barabbas. And number four, The fourth person we choose instead of Jesus is nobody. There is no reason. There is no person. But there must be something. I can't give you a specific reason why I won't believe. I just can't. I was told that this weekend. And this is a blinder faith than the faith Christ calls us to. There must be something out there better than the gospel. Do you know what it is? No, but maybe I'll find it one day. There are many who know that this is true and I've seen them sweating and shaking under conviction and yet they still hold on to, well, there's God, this, it, this can't be the only thing. And we say, yes, it is. Well, you don't know that. You haven't tried everything yet. And they feel inwardly compelled, but out of fear, they latch on to some unknown possibility as an excuse to turn away. Most of the time, this is the fear to make a life decision. You just can't commit to an eternal way of living. You can't say yes to something forever in the moment. So you convince yourself there will be another time. This is the same thing that causes people to stay in college for six or seven years and cycle through three or four different majors or get very serious with five or six different girlfriends or boyfriends and then break it off at the last minute because they just can't make the decision. There might be another woman out there. What if this isn't the degree that I want for the rest of my life? What if there's another way that doesn't require me to die to myself? And so you choose the unknown. Acts 24, Paul gave his testimony before Felix. And Felix heard and it said, Felix feared and trembled at the words of Paul. He knew it was right. But he said, Paul, come back another time and we'll finish this conversation. That opportunity never came. And he knew, good and well, it would never come. But he put it off to avoid making the decision. Oh, someday science will prove Oh, someday I might have an experience with... Someday I might read that final book. If you are holding on for a mysterious something someday instead of Christ, which is right in front of you, proclaimed and declared to be risen, then you've chosen Barabbas. His blood be us and on our children, they said. They were perfectly willing to take their own sins upon themselves. Those who choose Barabbas in any way are guilty and there's no help for them anymore they've rejected the only way of salvation that God has provided there is no other there is no other name given under heaven by which men must be saved and it does not matter which excuse you choose whether it was one of the ones that I laid out tonight or something else it does not even matter if you believe that this is true hear me carefully what I mean when I say that oh I believe all that is true It's not enough simply to believe. It's to believe and to bow. It's to believe and to call after the Lord. James 2.19 says, You believe that God is one, you do well. But even the demons believe and shudder. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, great. So does Satan. You believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, so does the devil. You believe that the only way to salvation is grace through faith. Oh, that's wonderful. So does the horde of demons tempting you now. The question is, have you bowed the knee? Have you come to him and called him Lord and asked him to take away your sins, renounced the old life and said, I'll follow after you and you alone. That's what it takes. Otherwise, you stand condemned to pay the price that Jesus could have paid for you on the cross. Are you sure you want to do that? But today is Good Friday because we have good news. What Jesus endured and took upon that cross was the sin of the very world that rejected him. Even that day, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Peter would twice in the book of Acts preach to this crowd and say, you chose a murderer instead of Jesus. But that had to happen so that I could offer you now forgiveness even for that. Jesus died as a sacrifice. He took our pain upon himself. He took our sin upon himself, our punishment upon himself. And now I can offer you forgiveness freely today. You must repent. That means to renounce wherever you are, whatever you are, whatever else you've been doing, say no longer, only Jesus. And I ask you as Pilate asked the crowd, what evil has he done? What keeps you from Christ? Why would you despise a man like that? Well, I don't despise Jesus. I admire you. Je- no, no, no. He died on a cross for you. And you say, no thanks? It's rude to refuse a cup of water when someone asks you. And you say, well, I'm, I, I admire Jesus, but I don't believe that. Do you believe that death was worthless and useless and pointless? You say, well, no, I believe it. it was, it's for somebody else, but not for me. What evil is he done? Why would you keep away from Jesus? Who else would you rather call your Lord? Somebody else you'd rather follow? He's offering you forgiveness. He's saying, I know that what you did put me on this cross, but guess what? I'm willing to say all that doesn't count if you come and believe today. We'll end with this. The name Barabbas is Aramaic for son of the father. Bar, as in Barabbas, means son, as in Simon Bar-Jonah, right? And Abbas is like Abba, Abba Father. So Barabbas means son of the Father. But of course we know that the only true son of the Father that day was Jesus himself. And he is the only son of the Father, the only son of any father who can save you. So let whatever Barabbas you have chosen be crucified today. When God says, would you rather have this relationship or this possibility or this reputation or Jesus? Then you say, give me Jesus. And what shall I do with the rest of these things? You say, let them be crucified until it's just me and him. You cry out, Father, give me your son.